Today's episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by NPM. NPM invites you to view Conversations with NPM and Into Account, a three-part series made possible by Into Account, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing support to survivors of sexual abuse, particularly in religious contexts. NPM stands with the victims of sexual abuse and believes that we can all play a part in eradicating the sin of abuse from our world today. Conversations with NPM and Into Account can be found at our YouTube channel, NPM Livestream. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is Episode 164 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello. We are so glad that you're tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. We are back from NPM's 44th annual convention, and it was a marvelous week of learning, growth, gathering, and of course, prayer. Now, this is just a reminder that both in-person and virtual convention attendees have access to the convention web platform from now until September 30th. Have you heard about the convention sessions? Maybe you didn't attend, but now you want to watch them too? Well, we've reopened convention registration this week for one week only. So this week only, you can still register and have access to hundreds and hundreds of hours of convention content from now until September 30th. Visit npm.org or visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. To register. So a few weeks back, we talked with Kelly Barth about the technological nuances that are utilized as pastoral musicians today, especially in light of safety precautions for COVID-19. Now today, we take a look at the technological resource of copyright licensing. Now, I'll just speak for myself on this part and share that, to be honest, copyright licensing was not something I knew enough about prior to COVID-19. My parish had a reprint license through one license for many years, but we only used it for reprinting music at prayer services and not so much on a weekly basis. However, one license was truly a godsend since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Our parish is now live streaming two liturgies each weekend, and we are producing a weekly podcast, none of which we did prior to March of 2020. So I will sing one license praises throughout this entire episode because, to be honest, they made my pastoral work possible during this pandemic. The ins and outs of copyright licensing can be difficult. How do we declare what music we are using, especially across print and streaming mediums? How do we report? How often do we report? And what do we report? These are just a few of the many questions I found myself scouring the internet for as I live-streamed liturgies at my parish for the first time last year. And so I called Katie Deaver. Katie is the assistant manager of One License and was gracious enough to sit down and answer questions about copyright licensing that I hope will help many other pastoral musicians as well. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm talking with Katie Deaver. Katie is the assistant manager at One License and uh, she is willing to sit down with us today. So hi, Katie. How are you? I'm doing really well, Amanda. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really excited to be here and be able to talk about one license and copyright and all that fun stuff. (laughs) Well, I will admit, and maybe this is just my own personal bias, but the phrase copyright and all that fun stuff might be more daunting than, (laughs) than like all that fun stuff. But I hope that by the end of our conversation, you help all of us non-copyright people um, find the fun in copyright too. (laughs) Absolutely. I certainly hope I can do that. I very much understand. I've been a music director for a little over a decade, and I can say most of the teaching and conversations I've had around copyright are definitely much more on the fear and anxiety part of the spectrum than the fun stuff. So we certainly hope that we can offer some proactive educational tips to to help folks feel more comfortable. And that's actually why I asked us to chat today, too, because... um, If someone who is a pastoral musician didn't know the name One License before COVID, my guess is they probably do now, or at least many more do now. I hope that's okay that I make that assumption. Um, But, you know, at least again, I'll just speak for myself. Um, Copyright reporting is something that did not originally come naturally to me, but I also know how important it is. And so that's really why I thought we could sit down and talk about it because It really is, especially in today's technological age, I believe something that's just so valuable and so important to what we're doing. So, and speaking of two, um, many of us saw copyright licensing increase um, in light of COVID-19. You know, we were using live streaming. Many of us were not previously, and maybe many of us were using digital resources. Um, Why do you think we saw such a spike during COVID-19? Great question. I, that increases exactly what we saw here at One License too. Um, honestly, right, I think it's actually a really positive and hopeful answer, right? I think that in the difficulty and the darkness of what is COVID and all of our experience of that, we really saw how creative and adaptable and um, quick pivoting the church can truly be. And I think, you know, a lot of the time churches, we get a bad rap, right? That we move really slowly or we're not willing to try new things. And I think, you know, March of 2020, if we wanted to be able to fulfill that role of being a pastoral musician and help make worship happen in a way that was accessible, a lot of us 
could only do that online. So I think, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it really speaks to the strength and the adaptability of these pastoral musicians and other ministry teams and folks in these congregations that we were able to pivot and many, you know, within a week, right, of being able to not meet in person, you had to figure it out. I, uh, I was working for a Methodist congregation during March of last year. And I think, you know, we had our staff meeting Wednesday, planning for a regular Sunday morning experience. And by Friday night, our governor had, had closed everything down. And, you know, it's like, okay, what do we do? Can we, you know, uh, record different pieces? How do we send these? Can we do that in two days? <laughs> what does that look like? Um, and so happily, you know, one license already had um, a version of our podcast streaming license. So, and a number of churches were already utilizing that, right? And we're kind of ahead of the curve. But then we were also able to connect with member publishers and sort of revamp that so that now we actually have a limited option and a bundle option to cover pretty much anything you could be trying to do in online worship. And I think um, One License has just felt really, really blessed, honestly, to be able to support pastoral musicians and be able to work with our member publishers to find ways to support and inspire congregational song, no matter what that needs to look like. Right. In the ways that it's changed, like you've alluded to, and the ways that it's still changing, honestly, as we transition back into whatever our liturgies look like right now, which is, again, so different across the country. You know, some dioceses are still um, hesitant on hymnals, or some dioceses are recommending worship aids, or some dioceses are allowing or not allowing or not recommending live streaming. I mean, there are so many specific needs across the diocese, across every diocese in the U.S. right now. Um, I'm I'm grateful that One License offers a couple of different options for that adaptability and flexibility for whatever's in their case that's needed. Yeah, absolutely. I think it. I happen to live in uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so you know, live streaming or pre-recording and posting services is something we'd talked a fair amount about just with the weather. Sometimes you have to cancel last minute, for right. safe, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there was no push or rush to do that. It was sort of just a long-term project that stayed out there in the future. Um, and then, you know, things changed very quickly. And, and as you've mentioned, they seem to keep changing. And it seems like, you know, every day you hear different recommendations or different folks feel comfortable with different things. And so trying to figure out, you know, as pastoral musicians, how do we keep bringing this worshipful experience to folks in whatever form they need it to be for them right in that place? So that that work of meeting people where they are, I think, is really, really an important piece of all of this. So you alluded a second ago to the streaming license, the podcast streaming license, and the reprint license. So this is something I had to learn, I'll be honest with you, um, during COVID. But what's the difference between the reprint license and the podcast streaming license? Yeah, you bet. So the reprint license is sort of our, you know, original meat and potatoes kind of license. So that's sort of how we started out. And so this is going to cover all of your reprinting needs. So anytime that you purchase a hymnal, you really only purchase the rights to use that physical hymnal. 
So anytime that you want to take something out of that original purchased resource and turn it into something new, then you need permission. So um, the most typical types of these things that we see for reprint right are your worship aids where you include that text or maybe a melody line for the congregation um, or some congregations do their projection screens so you can put the text or melody line on those those are all examples of sort of basic reprint options that our regular annual license covers you can also actually bundle that with our podcast streaming and so then you get all of those reprint permissions. Plus, you can live stream online, you can have a Zoom service, you could pre-record pieces of your service and build a video and then post that for folks. So any online format that you can think of, if you put it with that reprint, then you can also put, say, the text or melody line right on, um, just embed it right in your video so that folks can you know, be seeing the, the organist and cantor and follow right along with the words, or you can email the worship aid to folks. Mm. So it covers sort of all those online pieces. Okay. The other thing that we did update is that you can just do a limited podcast streaming license. Um, and so what, what we mean when we talk about limited is just it doesn't include any of those reprint options. So this is a great um, tool for folks who sort of have the, you know, set up your uh, cell phone on a tripod and hit, you know, Facebook Live and just let it go. And you're not trying to do anything too fancy. You're not trying to add anything, but at least folks feel like they can watch this video and be a part of that worship service. Um, so that would cover any of the, the song, copyrighted songs that you're hearing in those videos. So in those cases, though, if they, and I'm sorry to split hairs on this, but if, if they were to print or produce lyrics on that video, they would want the reprint license combo, right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. And really, that one is our most comprehensive. It gives you a lot of room for creativity because of exactly that. And then you have the flexibility, um, you know, to, we've had some churches, right, who their projection screen just happens to also be in their live stream, you know, shot. Oh, yeah. Um, and in most cases, right, if they're projecting, they already have a reprint license anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but so also paying attention to, you know, how your worship space is set up and what things are showing and those pieces. So yes, the bundle certainly gives you a lot of options and ways to make sure that um, folks who aren't able to attend or um, aren't comfortable with that in-person gathering yet really can follow along and feel like they're fully immersed in that service. So other than the service itself, let's just say that we were having a Zoom service, like you said, like, I feel like especially Zoom services to me were kind of like the bread and butter, the basic option, especially as people were trying to get their live stream setups, you know, permanent or installed or anything like that. Um, whether we're using a Zoom service, whether we're using the live streaming, um, when you say that the streaming podcast license would cover that, would it cover if we were to play a master track, meaning like a track from a publisher? Really important question. So no, <laughs> none of our licenses at One License cover those master tracks. Um, so these, our podcast streaming license, it's just for your musicians or your folks actively either live 
um, streaming all of those things. Or, you know, if I'm the music director and I'm going to get together with four choir members and we make our own recording, then that's all covered. But yeah, great, really, really important question. No master tracks are covered. Um, we do have, I, any chance I get, I love to talk about our practice track license because it's the one that I utilize the most as a choir director. Mm -hmm. um, and that one does actually allow you to share master uh, tracks with your choir for rehearsal purposes. Um, so they still wouldn't be able to be covered for use, you know, within a video, but at least you have that for rehearsals if your rehearsals are still socially distanced or things like that. Um, the other thing is our member publishers are, are very open to helping you utilize master tracks. So it's certainly worth your time to reach out to them or reach out to us and we can put you in touch with them. And you can get permission um, for various master tracks for certain situations. Okay, all right. Uh, let's stay on this for just a little bit longer and let's talk a little bit more about the reprint license now. Okay, so um, <laughs> Katie, I'm going to admit something to you. When I make a worship aid, I am that person that likes all of the fonts to match <laughs> and likes everything to look very unified. Um, and sometimes I find too on my worship aid that like maybe for some reason it's not fitting to the best of my ability. And so I'm the person that wants to go on to finale or whatever notation software I'm using and like re almost like reformat it so that the fonts are the same. Um, maybe it's a different width. Um, first off, can we do that? Can we imprint a song into finale and so that it can fit into a worship aid or be in the same font and still report its usage and have it under our one license license? So of course, who among us okay. has not, you know, been at the church copy machine trying to, you know, cut out the exact right notes and clucks <laughs> that we want, right? Who hasn't uh, had the tape together thing to make the copy, right? So yes, absolutely. As long as it's a congregational piece of music from one of our member publishers, then yes, you can reprint it in the style that works for you. That's, um, you know, a file that's the easiest for you to deal with or manipulate so it fits. If Finale works for you, that's great. If, um, you know, a number of folks will just scan their hymnal page because then they're able to, to crop it or do things, that's entirely fine too. Also, um, keep in mind, so our member publishers decide what to download and what types of files are available. But maybe, you know, even though you sing out of Breaking Bread, maybe you really like GIA's um, font. So that's fine. Use the GIA version of the download if that matches better with your style. Or yes, you can absolutely create your own so that everything looks looks uniform and adds to that worship experience. So what if we can't find a song on one license? I've always meant to call you and ask you this, but I always forget. So like, let, let, let's say I'm trying to find a congregational song on one license and I can't find it. Does this mean that I cannot reprint or broadcast it? No, it doesn't. So the first thing you're going to want to do is just make sure that the copyright is held by one of our member publishers. So that's your first step. If it's if all you're trying to do is reprint and it's mm -hmm. from a member publisher and it's a congregational title, mm -hmm. then you can go ahead and reprint it. That's just fine. If um, you also are wanting to broadcast, put it in a, an online service, something like that, then you're also gonna wanna make sure that that member publisher participates in podcast streaming 
Um, I'm actually going to walk you through a little bit of the website in just a second, but there's actually a really helpful page that has a list of all over 300 of our member publishers, and you can tell right by their name, there's a link to their site, which can help you contact them, but then it's also 100% clear whether they participate in that podcast streaming portion of our license. So once you've sort of checked those two things, the copyrights held by a member publisher and they participate in podcast streaming, and you're still not finding it, go ahead and fill out a manual submission. So the easiest way to do that um, is, so say you search for, I don't know, um, let's do Marty Haugen's All Are Welcome, and you don't see the piano arrangement that you're wanting to put in your online service. If you just scroll down to the bottom of that search page, you'll have an opportunity to fill out a manual submission. And those actually go directly to the publisher that they involve. So you can be 100% confident that they know their catalog and they'll be able to tell you if it really is their title, whether it's covered or not, or in some of those strange cases where titles have changed um, copyright holdings, they'll be able to point you in the right direction so that we can figure out who does have it and make sure that we can get you permissions. Now, before you share your screen, which by the way, if you're listening to this episode, I highly recommend checking out the video version because Katie and I talked before we started recording and she's gonna walk us through a couple things on the website. So disclaimer, come and find us on YouTube. but. Before we do, can you just define congregational title? Absolutely. So when we're talking about congregational title, right, we're talking about things that are coming out of, of your hymnal that you utilize, right? So breaking bread, um, a number of, of masses or liturgical settings, that would work. So these are things that your congregation is singing and participating in, right? Um, so one license doesn't cover uh, reprint, say, of a choral score or an organ prelude. Those are things that you're going to need to buy those originals directly from the publisher. And there again, those instrumental and choral, the podcast streaming covers the audio of that, but not the reprinting. Great question. Okay. All right. Great. All right. Yeah. So why don't you give us a little walkthrough of the, uh, the one license website? Absolutely. So um, the first thing you're going to want to do, right, is log in. You can search when you're not logged in, um, but the great thing when you are logged in is that it's only going to return results for the type of license that you hold. Um, so this is, yeah, it's, it's really helpful because then you, you know, can be really certain that, okay, this is the license I have. These pieces are coming up. I know I can use them. Um, this is especially important for folks who have our limited license, right? Because they aren't covered for reprint. So they're not going to see any downloads um, as an oh, option. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they don't have that anyway. So you're not going to see those. And then you also don't need to, you know, scroll through even more search results waiting for those, right? So pretty much anytime you just go ahead and log in and go up to this my account. And you have a bunch of different options. Obviously, the one you're probably going to utilize the most is this reporting usage. So when you go ahead and click that, this is our sort of main landing page. And you'll see you can refine your search in a number of ways. I mentioned to Amanda when we were chatting beforehand, we currently have 160,000 titles available. Um, our member publishers have been working really, really hard to get a lot more choral and uh, organ and other instrumental titles uploaded for those podcast streaming license holders so that 
you know, those uh, somewhat obscure organ preludes that we're all playing, they're in here now. <laughs> you can find them um, and, and we can help you make sure that those are, are reported to help out those composers, right? Um, so certainly, can refine your search by any of these categories down here. Language is a, a somewhat new addition that has been really, really helpful for folks. I think one of the greatest ways to limit your search on our page is actually up here on the um, left-hand top by mass setting. So I, I can only imagine, right, if you've ever tried to search for, say, a Curie or an Alleluia with mm -hmm. 160 titles, that's just really stressful for everyone involved, right? So one of the things that's really nice about this, um, let's see, um, now I have to pick a mass out of all of these, right? Um, let's say, <laughs> <laughs> like, gee, which one? Um, let's let's do, I see massive joy and peace. So the, the Tony Alonzo, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when you click that mass, now you have all of those pieces all in one place. So you can easily select, maybe you're only gonna use the Curie this week because you know, you're know you using it for a season or something like that. If that's the case, um, go ahead and just select that one and then hit your green report button, totally fine. Or if you're doing the whole thing, you can actually go through and select each part of it and then report the whole mass all as one. So that can save you a lot of time and energy and a lot of time, you know, trying to narrow down exactly which Curie you're looking for. The other thing that I really appreciate about this website, and I use this um, as a director of music a lot too, you can build lists within your account. So um, let's say you really like to use sort of the same 10 or 12 hymns for most of Advent every year. You can put those all in a list and then next year you can just report them right from that list. You don't need to search for them again. They're all just there waiting for you. So if there's ever any interest that again is under this my account and manage lists. Um, and then there's a variety. This is also a, a great place for folks if you're using um, another liturgical setting, say, you know, Haugen's Hold an Evening Prayer or I have the Now the Feast, you can sort of make your own list of those titles. And if you know um, you're only going to use certain ones certain times of the church year, then they're there for you and you're ready. This is also really helpful. Um, let's say it's, well, it's July, right? So we're planning ahead, probably many of us for Advent and Christmas already. Um, maybe I've already picked out the organ postlude that I wanna play for Advent three. I can go ahead and search for it now so that I'm sure that it is in here. I'm able to find it. I don't need to fill out a manual submission, anything like that, and then just store it in a list so that as soon as um, the week for Advent three opens up on our reporting, then you can jump right in and report it. Can I ask a question too on this, just following up on this? Um, in terms of reporting, um, if you are listening to this episode, you know that back in the wintertime, we did a two-part series on public domain music. And so Katie, if we had a piece, a prelude piece by Bach, for example, that is in the public domain, we do not need to report it, correct? Correct, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So if it reporting really is, for us at One License, right? This is how we compensate composers and artists and arrangers. So nope, if it is public domain, then you are all set and you don't need to report that. You will find, um, not for organ music again, of course, but some of our favorite public domain hymns are in the database so that you can access the download. 
I saw that. I've seen that a couple times. That that's a really good point. So even though they're in the public domain, we still have the downloads available if we wanted to use them. Right. Exactly. Okay. So okay. it's a nice uh, nice of our member publishers to make sure those are available if folks need them. Right. Exactly. Good. Um, so at this point, is there anything else that you want us to take a look at on the One License website? Anything else you want to point out? I think the only thing I would um, just offer is you'll see um, we give 18 weeks open for reporting at any given time. So you can report 12 weeks into the past and six weeks into the future. Um, and truly, if you ever have any hard to find pieces or troubles with that, feel free to reach out to our team and we can certainly help navigate that. I actually, I do have one more question. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I feel, I feel like usually with these types of interviews for Ministry Monday, I'm, you know, I'm not as pointed with my questions, but I've always wanted to sit down and chat with you. And I have a feeling that a lot of these questions are things that people ask. So I'll ask. Um, so if I was planning well in advance, um, let's just say past the six week mark. Um, and I, I knew what music I was going to use could I report it on a different weekend? So like, let's just say, I, I don't know, I'm making this up, but like, let's say this weekend I'm reporting, but I also want to report through the end of September. Can I report them on different weekends than actually the music that I perform? Like I shouldn't say perform them when the music is done. Yep, absolutely. You okay. could do that. We see it more when folks are trying to catch up you know, if we've sort of yes. forgotten about reporting, but as long as there are weeks open, you are welcome to report. Um, we actually pay out royalties twice a year. So the, okay. the first part of the year is January 1 to June 30th, and then July 1 to December 31st. Um, but even if they're not, you know, the specific week that they're listed in, everyone still gets their same royalties. Everything is still distributed. Honestly, as long as as long as you aren't utilizing um, the weeks as a planning tool to remember, <laughs> you know what? Right. right. So we, I, I know we've had folks a couple of times who were like, I know I was catching up on reporting, but now I've got a bunch of Advent music in April and I wish I could remember. <laughs> what I um, so, so just to be aware of that, um, if you do use it as a planning tool or a way to look back, um, then maybe be careful and then maybe consider, you know, building that list and then just reporting the full list. But um, from our perspective, we just want you to report so that we can appropriately pay out those royalties. And so any, any schedule or timing that works for you works for us. Okay, that's great to know. Well, I do have one more question, but I don't think it involves the one license website. So I don't know if you want to keep up. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, so my, my second to last question involves um, YouTube. So I will again, just speak for myself. My parish has been live streaming to YouTube for about a year. And the area of licensing to me is a little fuzzy around YouTube. Um, do we need a one license broadcast streaming license for live streaming on YouTube or why or why not? Right. Great question. <laughs> it's certainly complicated, right? right. Um, and we are multimedia specialists almost every time she uh, is asked this question. She's like, you know, I keep trying to get a lunch with YouTube and they're just, they're just not doing it. <laughs> so, so if you have any connections for her, I would love to, to uh, set her up for that, that okay. interview. So really, right, we of course can't speak for YouTube, but our agreements with our member publishers would say that if you're utilizing any copyrighted music, 
um, then yes, you need some sort of licensing from that copyright holder. And part of that, um, we don't have to get super deep into this, but part of that is that churches are organizations rather than individuals. So a lot of um, the, the terms and conditions of a lot of these sites really are designed right for individuals to share content or, um, you know, sing a song and play guitar, just me as Katie the human, <laughs> right? Um, and so it gets a little more complicated when now we have organizations, even nonprofit organizations, right, who are now sharing this copyrighted content. So from one license perspective and with our agreements with our member publishers, if you're using copyrighted music, the best thing to do is to have a license. If it's one licensed music from our member publishers, then either one of our podcast streaming options, depending on if you want to reprint or not, does give you all of the rights and permissions you need for YouTube and Facebook, um, Vimeo, Zoom, or even just to post right on your church website. So if you maybe just, you know, did a file on your cell phone or tablet and then post that right to your church site, that would also be covered. There are still churches who, and I applaud their musicians, I can't even imagine, who are 100% using public domain music for everything and have been since March. Um, and, you know, as, as you know too, Amanda, there's wonderful things in the public domain, but I can't imagine only being able to use public domain for right. a year and a half. I don't think I'm that creative, <laughs> right? It's like that. Um, so my hat is off to, to folks who are still doing that and are able to make it work. So that um, certainly is an option. If you use all public domain titles, then you don't need any licensing or any permission to, to do anything you'd like with those. If we have any more questions about one license and the way that the copyright licensing works with one license, how do we reach out? Great question. Yeah, please do um, reach out. We have, so if you want to talk live with someone, you can certainly reach us by phone. Our offices are in the central time zone. So um, sort of that, that nine to five central window is the safest. If you call outside of that, just leave us a message and we're happy to, to reach back out. That phone number is 1-800-663-1502. You're also very, very welcome to reach out by email. And our email is info at onelicense.net. And our agents can respond and um, help with anything that comes up. Another really great resource is actually our blog site. We've worked really hard, um, especially in the last year, to really think through what questions our license holders are asking and then write articles that specifically walk you through finding those answers. So we've got screenshots and we've got, um, you know, examples and, and everything there. So um, feel free to take a look at that blog that um, is linked to our website, but also is just news.onelicense.net. And you can see a bunch of um, helpful articles, also tutorials. If you're more of a visual person and want to see, you know, that screen share walkthrough, those are available as well. Is there anything else that I'm missing before we wrap up today? I don't think so. I think that that has been really helpful. I would just say, you know, um, from our, our team at One License, we just um, are so in awe and appreciative of all the, the creativity and the work that pastoral musicians and church staff members have, have done in this last year and a half. I think that um, 
folks who are working for churches right now are our heroes, right? <laughs> and they've kept our worship happening and, and it's not easy and it's been a long time. And so we just know that if there are any ways that we can support or help make that easier, we definitely want to do that. Well, thank you also for helping us make worship possible because I know that I emailed you this whenever we began, but I really think One License needs a major shout out and a major love letter because you have really made the last year or so possible for so many of us. So thank you for ministering to the ministers so that we can do our work in the churches. You are so welcome. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much to Katie for her time today. For more information about One License, visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Taste NC was produced by GIA Publications, and today's theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.